You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. So I wear I wear what I make, and I've worn, like, the, the book necklace that we made here in the shop. Today, Choose to be Curious meets some makers. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media and the shop at Arlington Central Library, where I joined a group spinning straw into gold. Ways to use bicycle parts for purposes they were not originally designed nor intended. And this is a process we call upcycling. You may be familiar with that about recycling things, but particularly in bicycle world, there's lots of different uses we can use for things. Uh, So tonight we're going to be doing a clinic to show you how to make a belt out of bicycle parts, namely a tire, a chain, and a spoke, and something called a chain ring bolt, which I'll explain shortly. I am wearing one now. This is sort of my daily attire, as I call it. By day, Henry Dunbar is director of Arlington's active transportation programs, including Bike Arlington, Walk Arlington, and Capital Bike Share. Around the edges of those days, he looks around and wonders, oh, what can I do with that? In this case, it begins with cutting a lot of old bike tires. And the best thing about working with these things, you don't have to worry about breaking anything. It's all reused, repurposed, you know, rubber's very forgiving, so, you know, you can cut up, and the belts, the tires are, are so long that if you screw up the end of it, we'll just trim it off and you can start over. So, old school, using all hand tools and all, you know, reused parts. Any bike shop, if you ever want to get into this stuff, has a near-infinite supply of these kinds of things. Um, let's go ahead and make your buckle next. So, if you want to go over and look through those bags and okay. see if you have a preference on chain. There's some black, some silver, pretty much are two options, dirty, grungy. Um, Okay, so now this is the hard part. Yep. We need to bend this down a little bit. So just get that started like this. And this one here, bending in like this. And then use this. And you're going to hit it hard enough to poke through. I noticed makers are constant learners. They're extracting lessons, wondering about the materials and processes they're using, and discovering all sorts of new stuff. So I find that if, I, if you push down and try and hold that flush to the wood, it's a lot easier to get a good strike and a good clean cut. So it's not. Should I turn it around? Maybe because this is curved, it's easier from the other side. Got it? Try that. Oh, you did it. There you go. All right, so pick out a chain ring bolt out of here. What are they called? Chain ring bolts. Chain ring bolts. So the gears on the front by the pedals and the cranks are called chain rings. Okay. And those bolts will hold the two to three different ones together on a 10 or 21 speed bike. It's the parts you never knew existed, but now once you see them. So I'm curious what connection you saw between maker and curiosity, because you're the one who first approached me for this conversation. What inspired that? Well, my particular brand of maker, you know, uses almost exclusively recycled material. And so for me, you know, virtually everything is a potential piece of something that can be repurposed, upcycled, and remade into something 
else for which it was not originally intended. And for me, that is the real attraction. And it's, you know, almost a curse, if you will, because people <laughs> riding bikes with me will you know that I will suddenly break for no apparent reason because something on the ground literally has caught my attention because I will see it and, you know, have to pick it up and think about what can I do with this thing. You know, a lot of stuff, most of it I'll just ride by. But, you know, a lot of other things, and particularly if it has color, I look at it. So I, I you know, I see things, I grab them. There's some common things like the the elastic hair scrunchy things. They're all over the place. I see those almost daily and I pick them up and I always wonder do people not know when these fall out of their hair because <laughs> I find a lot of those and mostly I just use them for practical purpose of, of rolling up inner just tubes which dropping is, things together right right, right. <laughs> and just for practical reasons they're the perfect size and they're very durable and you know better than rubber bands because they don't dry out you know and these kinds of things so I have all of my inner tubes rolled up with a hair scrunchie around them to keep them all together so it's integrally connected to your cycling well yes because again that's when i do most of my collecting of materials yeah. is, you know every virtually every commute is an opportunity you know to the point where i also now have to like consciously fight it because i'm in hurry and i have to get places and so i just need to leave it so some things i'll say oh i'm going to give somebody else a chance at that that's a nice piece of you know elasticity right there or you know a crushed aluminum can i picked up two on the way here by the way i'll oh, show good. you you know because i want to use those but you know if it's there and i pass it four or five times and i'm like all right it's meant to be mine and sometimes you know if you're out in the street it's dangerous to stop so i may wait until you know i see that it's actually been pushed to the curb which most stuff eventually gets there mm -hmm. so you can sort of safely stop and lean over and grab it so that the new bike lanes assist or detract from this process oh they definitely assist uh -huh. i mean they create this again this sort of free zone where things where get kind accumulates. of shoves shoves to right and it uh -huh. sort of collects right there and so um, you do, again, have to be careful and make sure there's no one right behind you. So if you have to stop suddenly and uh, get something, you don't cause so an accident. Yeah. So what are the things that catch your eye? And then what do you do with them? Well, as I just mentioned, the the crushed aluminum cans, because, again, they, they have a lot of color and they're right. infinite and they're already flattened. You know, I, I do those. And right now I'm working on a piece of a molded fish basically made out of the wire from the uh, campaign signs that are always left in the medians oh, after yeah. the elections. And even if the paper or the plastic is blown off, the wire is still there. So, you know, I take that and I wrap that with, create an outline of a shape and then wrap it with chicken wire. And then in those hexagon spaces, uh -huh. take the cutout aluminum cans to create the fish scales. The fish scales. Nice. Yeah. So my initial piece, I'm about a third done with it, and it's not looking the way I wanted it to look. It's a little rough, uh -huh. and I wanted a smoother, you know, cleaner edge. So I'm sort of having to rethink whether or not this is the exact right thing I want to do with that. So, but this is a new thing for me. Yep, yeah. Yep, so back sorry. the process up. I mean, where did the idea for that come from? Do you? So that's a stolen idea. I will. Chicken and egg. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. I will admit that you know, as they say, great ideas. You know, you you borrow the good ones and the great ones you steal out. Uh -huh. So there is an artisan in gosh, someone West Virginia making pretty much the same thing. The fish made out of the wire and the chicken wire, but he takes broken glass uh -huh. and puts it into the negative space of the hexagons, but it doesn't completely fill it. So my idea was to expand on that with the same shape, but using, again, 
the aluminum as fish scales to mm. completely cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial idea was that I would use the whole cans, and the first time I laid that out, it just, again, didn't look right. So I wanted to cut smaller pieces to fit into the hexagon. So at, I think Michael's actually found a one-inch hexagon uh, paper cutter press, it's, but it's steel, oh. and it will okay. cut the oh, aluminum. It'll cut the aluminum. Well, yes, sort but of. <laughs> sort of. The plastic <laughs> handles don't give you enough um, grip. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The force. The, the, the handles leverage, bend. Yeah. Right. So I'm thinking I may just break that apart and try to remake it with bigger ones. But I've talked to other crafters and artisans about about presses that can actually cut the metal. Um, and there are some out there. I just not have not made the investment. I want to experiment a little bit more and figure that out. So right now I just use 10 snips uh-huh. and I cut them by hand. I'll trace the hexagon and then just cut them. But that's where in doing that, then they don't retain their flatness. They get little edges and curls, and so they don't lie flat either. So, and again, sort of hazardous still working to work that. with. Right. So this is actually an idea I've had for a long time because I've had the fish with the broken glass hanging in a window for probably 20 years now. Hmm. And so it's just been percolating and this, this whole time. So you see this stuff along the side of the road. Yeah. And I think that that's the place where sort of the curiosity kicks in, right? Where you start to think, well, how might I, what are all the ways I could, what might I do with this? You're sort of opening possibilities around it, right? Is that what happens or not? It's exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. And and just to just to backtrack a little bit further how I sort of got into this. So in my prior job, I was the executive director of Phoenix Bikes and went to a youth bike summit where they talked about issues around uh, other programs that teach kids how to fix up bicycles. Right. And one of the byproducts of working in a bike shop is you end up with a whole bunch of broken things, parts that can't be used anymore, um, you know, tires that are flat, you know, they're ripped, the inner tubes are punctures, you know, these kinds of things. And there was one workshop about how to make jewelry out of old bike parts. And so I sat in on this 90-minute session, and from that day forward, I was just absolutely fascinated with this idea of repurposing and upcycling the bicycle parts. And so there are actually companies out there that do this now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, one called Alchemy Goods out in Oregon, uh, there's an, uh, I can't remember the names of others, but they take you, you, the inner tubes and basically lay them flat and glue them together. And basically you now have a flat material that can be cut and sewn and it's reasonably durable. But the, so on the supply side, it's near infinite. I mean, any uh-huh. bike shop, once you start collecting inner tubes that are punctured, you will fill up garbage bags within a week. And wow. Alchemy was accepting these things, you know, bike shops would send them, but at some point they, many of them had, they had to cut off because they get more than they can, they can process. Uh This is way too much. And the same thing with chains, same thing with the wheels. I mean, when they get bent and so you can do things with spokes and all of this stuff, you know, any bike shop is just willing to give it to you because, you know, in this country, material is relatively cheap. But labor is expensive. So fixing things isn't that profitable for a bike shop. It's easier for them to put a new one on because they can get it cheaper than it is to pay somebody, you know, 20 bucks an hour to work on it to make it sort of do. One of the nonprofits that we would work with, uh, Bikes for the World, another Arlington-based mm-hmm. group mm-hmm. here, um, they're the people that first explained that to me because they'll take just about anything. And they said, because in the developing world, it's just the opposite. Labor is cheap, but material is very expensive. So that is what they need. And so shipping containers full of parts, no matter what condition, they can you know, have people take the time to work it and get it back to its original purpose. You know? See, this is what I like so much about this, is this combination of kind of reuse, upcycle, 
it's both an artistic endeavor as mm-hmm. well as an environmentally aware endeavor. Well, right. And it it calls on us to think about I'm looking at something, how do I view it differently? How yes. do I think about it differently? It's a lovely intersection. Sure. So that's again the the thing you become very conscious of very quickly working in a in a bike shop um, is again how much waste there is, particularly right. in in this country, and how much of this stuff is built to be disposable. I mean, some of the bikes you buy in the department stores are they're very cheap. They're built to last a few hundred miles, and that's it. So we just end up with just piles and piles and piles of both metal and rubber and everything you can think of, and. You know, again, but then working within the nonprofit world where they do have to be a little more creative but also find reuses for these things, I've just been completely blown away by the creativity that has come out of some of these shops with the things that they're able to make, um, some very practical and some just very artistic. Whimsical or whatever. Yes, exactly. Right. I mean, right. there at the last show I was at with just um, the metal cables that they have for the the you know, the gears and for the brakes can be folded into these just beautiful dragonflies with pipe cleaners. So the pipe cleaners are wrapped around to make the body, but then you can make these very creative wings. Um, so that's another thing. I've actually started pulling those cables and, you know, holding them to, to try and do that, but I so, haven't got so to run that. A fast, trying to finish the fish first. Yeah, <laughs> so run a fast list for me of bike parts that you've seen or you personally have sort of reused in this way. Oh, my it's gosh. It's like almost the whole bike. So just about the whole bike. I mean, the chain itself is built of of several different sure. pieces of moving parts. So once you take those apart, you end up with, the, you know, like the figure eight little link. Uh-huh. Then you have, there's a pin that goes through uh, that holds that together. And then there's a roller in between those. So there's basically three parts of, of the chain. And any chain would have hundreds of those in it once you break it apart and clean it. You know, so all of those can be used for... For different things. I mean, the the chain links and the rollers in between each link uh, are great little baubles for earrings. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's the easiest one to sort of do uh, to just have those dangling there. Um, another one that surprises people is to take out the valve assembly out of the inner tube. So I mentioned before we do a lot of things with inner tubes, and I can talk about that in a little bit, but you always end up having to cut the inner tube, and you cut the valve assembly off first, so you end up with this little section, about a one-inch piece with the valve on it. But But now you found something to do with the valve. Right, you take and you Uh twist that out, and there's different kinds of valves. So the old Schrader valves, there was actually this long one, and I've actually made earrings out of those, and my wife has worn those, and and I, I, this is sort of the holy grail. She's like in New York, and this woman's looking at it, going, "Where did you get those?" You know. <laughs> uh, oh, I know. Ooh. You have a distributor. <laughs> you know these kinds of things. So, um, and that was literally nothing than just taking a little jump ring, running uh-huh. it through the valve assembly, and having it there. So it's got this little spring and a little piece of brass on it. You know, and it's a curious looking little piece. Right. But it had a practical purpose. But now it's a, a little dangly earring. So you can string those together to make necklaces. You know, running pieces through this. So you've got a lot of those, um, you know, different things. Yeah. So the valve yeah. assembly is one that people are very surprised about. A lot of people, A, don't even know it's in there, you know, and B, once they see it taken out. Um, out of context, right? Yes, it's exactly. Like, can you figure out where this came from? Right. And yeah, it's nice. a, a little talisman, you know, sort of trying to figure it out. So. Right. Very nice. Very nice. So so are you familiar with the term trashing? 
No, that's trash not Trashing is fashion made of trash. Oh. See? Wow. See, you were like on the cutting I'm, I'm doing edge. it and didn't you even know it. You are doing it and didn't even know it. It's up there with plogging, which I know yes, you do. Yes, I do know that one. So tell us about plogging. So plogging, um, I believe it comes out of Sweden and yes, is the right. uh, the act of running and picking up trash at the same time. Yeah. So you basically, basically you stop running. But, you know, on your run, stopping many times and picking up trash as you go. So it does, for me, have the practical purpose of keeping my running routes clear, you know, and again, no matter where you go, there's pretty much always something that you could be picking up. But for me also, again, it's about looking for material. So yeah. the vast, vast majority of it I just recycle or throw away. But every once in a while, you know, you do find a curious little you do find thing. Stuff. So in a shameless plug, I will say that the, the Walk Arlington folks, the program I manage, does host a spring plogging event. We started our first one last year, but we will redo that again <sighs> this coming spring. Oh, I have to put that um, on my calendar. Yep. So yeah. we'll let you know about that. Cool, so. cool, cool. So I think about this, and it's – I oddly enough, I kept thinking about Thoreau as I was yes. thinking about this conversation. And I kept looking for, like, a line from Thoreau, and I thought, well, Thoreau is not, like, picking up trash and making things out of it. Yeah. But but he has something in his journals about the question is not what you look at but what you see. And yes. I think that's – what you're doing, right, is you're looking at what other people would call trash, and yes. you're seeing opportunity. I I think so. And again, having been inspired by what I've seen other people do, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're able to do that. I mean, one of the trash and items we make is uh, bow ties out of inner tubes, and there's a very easy way to sort of do this, and we do it for Phoenix Bikes annual gala, uh-huh. so that we have our quote formal attire. <laughs> <laughs> so, bad dad jokes, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, looking at that and trying to see something different. I mean, one of the things that at, at Phoenix and working with the kids and teaching them is trying to get them just to look at something broken and thinking about how can I fix it. But the, the extension of that, of course, is if I can't, can I reuse it in some other way for which it was not intended? And that's exactly what, you know, you do. And sometimes you just have to say, hmm. It's curious. I don't know what yet, but I'll put it there, and eventually I'll it'll percolate. come to me. So when we were sitting down to this conversation, you yep. you were kind of giving me a hard time about you take issue with the premise of the show, but choose to be curious. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a minute in the context of what you just said. Tell, yeah. me, tell me why you think we can't or don't choose to be curious. Well, f- I'm really just thinking about it from my own perspective, uh-huh. and that it's, it's something that— I think I am, and right. I don't know that I can turn it off. Just like when we were talking, you know, before here, and you handed me a list of your previous shows, I can't help but look at that to see if, you know, either there's something I know, or would I learn something by reading this list? Uh-huh. And so, for me, an opportunity of walking around and you know, just through everyday things that are lying around, finding some creative way uh, to reuse that for me is just innate. And right. and I talk to other people about this, and I say, well, don't you? It's, look at that, you know, that little bottle cap there and think, wouldn't that be cool if I put a series of those and made an actual picture? And they're like, no, I never do that. So, so, but could they? So do you accept their answer that they don't as they never could? Well, I know they, if, if they were assigned a task and told that you need to do this to fulfill some obligation, you know, like in, in school where they're sort of forced to it, they could. And, but I don't know. Whether or not, I guess in in a sense that's a choice, but as soon as that, you know, obligation has been filled, I, I don't know that they would 
continue to do so. So See, I don't know. Could you say, yes, I would be a better person and I would be more fulfilled if I did choose to be curious. Um, but are you really curious? Or are you sort of making yourself go through those motions because you want to, you know, be something that maybe you're really not? Well, so here's my thinking about that, yes. because I think I think a lot of us think that there's this sort of fixed mindset. You are yeah. or you aren't. Right. Right. And people some people are more. Some people are less. And what drove my thinking about this show was this idea that, well, like eating right or exercise, people make choices to move in those directions, to do those things, to incorporate them into their lives in ways that may come more or less naturally to them. And I thought, well, if you analogize, if you make an analogy there with curiosity, then even if you're not inclined to curiosity, if you make a choice to kind of be curious, to sort of ask the question about like, well, how might I? Or what could I do with that? Or where can I find X? Or, you know, how could I do that? That that becomes in its own way a habit. And that you, you discover that you have that muscle. You discover you have that endurance like running. Yes. And so I think that for people who don't think of themselves as being curious, kind of the fake it till you make it, the make a choice. Yeah. And sort of what I love about the maker movement and the craft movement is it invites people in at really low risk mm-hmm. to just play with stuff and discover their creativity, discover perhaps their curiosity. Yeah. So do you buy that? Um, I do buy it in the sense that, yes, I think each of us has the capability to, you know, remake ourselves, literally. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And in a sense, yes, to, to something that we would seem to be what we want to be. Uh-huh. Um, so we do have that. I do also believe that, you know, there is at least a core set of traits that we're all born with. And so you know, we might have to fight against that to do it. To say it's impossible, I'm not going to tell anybody they can't be or do anything. But I also will say our brains work a certain way. And if we're not innately curious, then it would definitely be like exercise that you would have to do that. And you would. And like anybody can, I I think anybody of, of reasonable health can run a marathon. And other people, that's just impossible. I, I know for a fact it isn't. Uh-huh. Right? I know it's not. So you you can do that. So yes, in that sense, I will accept your premise that we can choose if if someone wanted to be, if they woke up and said, I want to be more curious about things, then they could develop that skill and choose to be curious. Cool. So well, it's I, your I, show. I'm <laughs> not going to complete. I just no, said. But hmm, it's an interesting, I it's interesting. It's interesting to think about this and to... To understand the places where it doesn't resonate. But I love what you just said. Yeah. I, sort of the equivalent of kind of reusing and upcycling ourselves. Yeah. You know, that we we sort of take our assembled parts yeah. and we think about how we might use them differently. Well, it's like, again, you use the exercise analogy. You, so you can get to a point where you, if you do it enough and you're running enough, I could run out tomorrow and run 10 miles and, right. you know, it wouldn't kill me. Other people, you know, the going from the couch to 5K thing, that may be right now an impossible endeavor right. that they might not to do. So, again, if we exercise our curiosity and continue to do that, then eventually it would become a no 
not so hard a thing. I wasn't saying no brainer, but you know, just kind of thing to, to start looking at things. And so when you do see that bottle cap in the, in the gutter, you know, it, it would it be that much of a stretch for you to pick up and say, you yeah, know, that's the next jewel in the crown of that. I'm going to make, you know, uh, my necklace that, uh, yeah. you know, I'm going to put together with the fishing line and, <laughs> you know, the, the, pieces of bike chain hey, nice yes nice. i like that i like that all right i'll buy you that just gave me an idea <laughs> <laughs> all right so henry has actually been a guest on i can't even count how many shows here on wera and on the television as well yes. right a, a stalwart and promoting active transportation in the county over the years and i asked him actually to join me this is our fun drive here at wera who better to sort of make the case for the value of community media, of giving access to different ways of doing things outside the commercial media yes. into independent media? So, Henry, why is it good for people to support WERA in our fund drive right now? Well, as you mentioned, there's a variety of programming here that literally is not heard anywhere else. Yeah. And so part of what is somewhat lost with the, you know, again, the com- continued commercialization and things just seem to get, you know, synthesized down to shorter and shorter, you know, bites uh, here and there. But to have great programming that is community driven, the long form radio kind of things that uh, are really about Arlington. And I think that's why, you know, the county has supported this resource uh, um, the way it has is so that we have this rare opportunity that many communities don't have. So to give anybody from the public with a little bit of training the ability to come in and talk about issues that really resonate and mean something to them is such a wonderful thing. And like I said, when I talk to my colleagues and friends around the country, they just like, oh, we wish we had I something know, like that. I know, It really is and a isn't gem. it so great? So, but it has to be, again, there has to be that interest and there has to be that support. And so that means money. And if we really value it, and I think that most of Arlingtonians do, um, then it be, they need to step up and really support this thing. Or it can go away. And there's always these kinds of pressures. So it's the same with, you know, with any of the nonprofits, you know, they were working with and uh, Arlington Independent Media is certainly, you know, in that sort of uh, universe that needs to have that community support uh, to really go along. Yeah. So if you like what you've been hearing, if you agree with what Henry's just said, visit us at WERA.FM and make a donation. No donation is too small or too large. And they're all tax deductible. And, uh, you know, help us to keep stories like Henry's making and other things here in the county and around the country. Those are important stories, and we get to tell them here at WERA, and Arlington Independent Media gives us the tools to do that and the resources to do it. But we can't do it without the materials. You know, we can't do it without the infrastructure, and that costs money. So your donation and support are really important, so thank you. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM, where, by the way, you can make your donation right now. Thank you. You can hear all my previous episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, and on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at Choose number two, letter B, curious. Many thanks to my guest, Henry Dunbar, and the Arlington Central Library shop team, and the many creative makers who avail themselves of that wonderful space. More information about all of it on my website. 
Thanks, too, to Sean Ballard for our theme and other music. And I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.